Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two guys who are short, fast, and injury prone. What's up, Chuck and Gene? Hey, Dave. Hey, Gene. I, I might be short. I am not fast. I am injury prone, but I'm not quite short. So I'm just going to say I am average height, um, fat, and uh, injury prone. <laughs> and apparently my self-esteem is taking a hit right off the show. Uh, this is Chuck Siders. You can find me weeping in public. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And I'm Gene Zilek. You can find me at Producer Gene on Twitter. And uh, I am one of those scratch and dent rejects from the quarterback factory. Um, you can find me like in the discount rack. Um, I'm like right between Nate Sutfeld and uh, and uh, one of Howie, uh, one of Doug Peterson's kids, who I think oh. is probably still getting stuff from the refrigerator behind him. You know why? Why didn't I have? Why did I not have quarterback factory uh, in my notes? for this episode that's a huge miss by me sorry about that uh but i you know, sh- <laughs> i i went short fast and injury prone as like that's sort of the the recipe to become an eagles receiver in in 2020 <laughs> i like the fast part yeah I, well you know two out of three for you guys ain't, ain't too bad so are you fast dave no 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 i am also short and injury prone um you know when compared with the nfl players for for sure for sure let's let's all be honest i was the jalen rieger of the uh tv film and theater uh football team uh i was short would run back kicks and um would probably be open but nobody could see me (laughs) <laughs> you were yeah that, that's that pretty much sums you up gene for sure um so were you guys excited for the draft this week i mean we got an actual sport event that um was held i don't know what to say i mean it wasn't like athleticism but it was new sports stuff um i was not terribly excited i followed along on twitter i mean half the fun of the draft is the show around it. You know, I don't follow college football closely, if at all. Um, so I don't really know most of these guys, but you're, you're watching for trade. We're excited to hear you talk about it for the next 40 minutes though. <laughs> I can bluff my way through. Gene, were you pumped for the draft? Uh, I was, you know, at first I was probably like, man, this is going to just be a tease for me wanting sports back. But honestly, I got kind of caught up in the uh, the best way to describe it is it's the same way that like when your neighbors are out like across the street fighting with each other in their lawn. Like you don't really want to go out and get involved uh, and you know it's a mess, but you're totally fine being entertained from inside your house. Um I had a feeling it was going to sort of be a mess, uh, and I was totally fine watching it from my living room. Yeah, I was actually afraid it was going to turn into basically what the horse competition uh, turned into on ESPN, which, by the way, uh, I called that nonsense being a total train wreck shit show, which it absolutely was. Um, But no, I mean, everything looked 
pretty good. Everyone's like camera feed was like stable. There's nothing to, I mean, we got to see a lot of weirdness out of Mike Vrabel, which is pretty uh, <laughs> exciting. Did you guys catch that? Like his living room setup? Yeah, there were several strange living room setups throughout the draft. Andy Reid's was also kind of odd. Uh, I guess he was doing it from his like luau. I'm not really sure what was going on with him. <laughs> I, well, I mean, like you, you got to think when Tommy Bahama is putting out his new line, Andy Reid is the the target audience that he's drawing these, these things up for. Um, but Vrabel had like I don't know, like one kid was like dressed up like a superhero or something. Standing on one side, and uh, there was like a dude, a dude with a mullet. There, it was just very strange. I don't know. It was weird, but I thought it was cool. It was nice to see like this little like glimpse into everyone's um, private quarters. The funny thing is, and I don't remember which GM or head coach this particular situation happened to, but they they had it set up so that the, the feed was looking back towards their kitchen, and several times their teenage kid would just wander in and just like get something out of the fridge i was just waiting for like at one point to like in the background glimpse like the mother like smacking the kid for like drinking milk out of the carton you know (laughs) or something else that like happened regularly in my household like when i was just around on the weekends um you know i was sort of surprised we didn't see anybody's like homeschool set up can you imagine like if you're like head coach football of a of a or GM of a of a of a father is suddenly trying to teach you algebra equations and they all involve the salary cap. <laughs> well, I just think I would be totally messing with my like if I was a teenager and my dad was a football GM, I would definitely wait until he's making the pick on national television and do something that I would later regret later on in my life. Like, were you kind of hoping that that Jerry Jones had some sort of, like, strange love child that was going to come running out in Eagles green? I don't know. I was, like, half expecting like, a kid to go streaking across the screen or, like, someone to throw, uh, I don't know, shoot some silly string or some, some nonsense. <laughs> this is happen, a real but... glimpse into, like, your relationship as fathers to your children that you guys believe – like probably your kids would screw with you rather than be supportive and excited that you're doing your job in front of millions of people. If it were my kids, I wouldn't be able to get the pick out. It would be both of them like shoving their face into the camera and going like, well, I want to talk. I want to (laughs) talk and other nightmares from zoom. Like uh, my son, had a call with one of his friends from uh from pre-k today and i set up everything perfectly i'm like just sit here like katie can sit next to you everyone can see it and then it was dramatic zoom into it like like shove your face into the ipad yeah so that's what it would be in my house and and i'd screw up something uh with 13th pick uh daddy selects just a minute yeah (laughs) just i'm using my phone now but you can play Sonic in five seconds. <laughs> yeah, we're like a kid walking in the back with like Christy prom sign or something. No. <laughs> like, like that. I mean, that would get you definitely like high school fame for, you know, at least the next year. It would have to be prom 2021 because high school's sure. done for the year. Virtual prom. They had, oh, By the way, there was virtual prom. There was uh, social distancing prom pictures uh, being taken uh, across – I live across the street from an elementary school that has these huge like cherry blossoms. So uh, prom pictures are always going on across the street from my house. Uh, and 
because it's you know beautiful spring scenery uh so yeah there were people out there this week taking virtual socially distant prom pictures so how does that work do you kind of like angle yourself so that like the it looks like you're standing next to each other but suddenly your prom date is like three feet shorter than you because she's so far in the background uh you know what i yeah that might be that's kind of like a cool idea uh I didn't I wasn't too like I wasn't really observing the the the, the staging of the pictures too much. I just observed that they were going on. All of a sudden like, there's <laughs> just there's these these people just setting up green screens all over Dave's yeah. yard so that people can photoshop their dates in. Suddenly, yeah, I like that. Or you could put like um you know your finger you know so it looks like your fingers on top of their head, you know, like the like a Eiffel Tower picture <laughs> or like a leaning tower pizza picture or something. Suddenly um, 27 right, so... guys went to the prom with the exact same girl <laughs> and it turns out to be all of their cousins still somehow yeah. <laughs> so fuck the cowboys yeah real quick i just like the difference between dave and gene gene's like sitting out on his front stoop watching the neighbors fight for entertainment and dave's like i'm not getting involved like something's yeah. going on outside i don't care <laughs> i'm too busy uh like screaming about the cowboys in my house uh past couple days so gene is as notorious cowboy hater number one president of the, the cowboy hate society uh how angry are you at the cowboys uh this week uh on a scale of one to ten i'm like at a 42 so are we are we now going to say like we got got by the cowboys this week no cowboys fans are saying we got got no, but intellectually, as an Eagles fan, can we say, yo, the Cowboys got the best of us in this draft? <sighs> like, if you could just switch drafts with the Cowboys, would you do it? Probably. I mean, it's pretty universally um, been lauded as one of the best top three drafts of the year. CeeDee Lamb was pretty clearly, an, you know, a coveted pick. Um I think that Howie Roseman had some idea that he was going to be gone unless they moved forward. Um, I, I believe that there was an attempt to move forward, and it's one of those situations where you can only do what you can do. You're at the mercy of somebody accepting your offer. The Cowboys didn't have to do that. It, it, it fell in their lap. I will say that watching the the reaction that they had in that room, which was – Sort of maybe the, the big benefit to having to watch the draft this way, normally you don't have quite that intimate a look into the guys making the picks reaction sort of as that's happening. And and the television broadcast did a very good job of making sure they cut back in a timely fashion to kind of watch that all sort of happen in real time. Now, you didn't have the audio. You can hear what they were saying. But in the case of the Cowboys, it was pretty obvious that they were super psyched that they felt like they got the guy they wanted. There's two ways to look at this. One, uh, this was a highly ranked offense that still didn't win their division. And by adding another wide receiver, are they really addressing the problems that they have on their team? And are they so excited because they really feel that they got the player that they felt was the best fit for their team? Or are they really excited because Jerry Jones is so obsessed with the Philadelphia Eagles that he f was so excited to screw us. Uh, I'd like to believe that that's the case because I like <laughs> uh, the idea that the Eagles are in his head. Uh, I don't know that that's really true. Uh, maybe they did actually covet this this player. Um, 
the thing that irritates me is if there is some truth that the Eagles could have made a deal if they were willing to add their second round pick for this year. So basically swap first round picks and add their second. That's um, the thing. That's where I keep getting hung up. So I'm, I'm very curious then if you were so determined to hang on to your second round pick, I would think that you had a very clear vision as to what you want to do with that second round pick. And from the way that the draft played out, I would say that the move sort of in the second round was this player fell to them and they felt that they couldn't let him go by. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that logic, but it doesn't seem like they clearly had their target set on. We want a player that's going to make a big impact on our team next year. And if he, and we know he's going to be there. So we need to make sure that we secure that second round pick. Um, I think universally Eagles fans would have had zero problems with this draft. Had they done anything they needed to do to go and get CD lamp. I, I think that that, I, I am never in favor of the Eagles just drafting based on what the fans in South Philadelphia want them to draft, but <laughs> this makes very little sense considering what they ended Howie up doing. Goes, Howie goes from 16 to 2 a couple of years ago. He can't find a way to go from 21 to, what was it, 16 this year? And you're holding on to this second-round pick to take a player that isn't going to benefit the team this year. And I don't understand where it fits in the long-term goals of the team moving forward in the next five years. I just want to hop in real quick because this really does come down to, you know, how he has set up his own criteria. This is how he's, you know, senior seminar project going, this is how I want to be judged this draft because it, it doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. And if he finds himself, uh, you know, winning out, if those first two picks of both Jalen's, you know, really, you know, prosper and, and bear fruit, then maybe people were calling him a genius and going, yeah, these guys are the ones I wanted all along, but it's, it is a bit baffling. Why if, do we? If Jalen Hurts uh, winds up having a great career, and we see that in the next two or three years, shit got blown up. Like yeah. stuff did not go right in Philadelphia. If he's having the opportunity to play, so yeah, because basically, what... if this guy's having a great career, he's doing it for the Miami Dolphins, or he's doing it for the New York Jets, or he's doing it for the Cincinnati Bengals, or he's doing it. Well, actually, all those teams are all heavily invested in quarterbacks. Never mind. <laughs> um, he'd be doing it for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, maybe, or the San uh, San Diego uh, shit Las Vegas right. Raiders, or the oh. <laughs> San Diego Los Angeles. Yeah. But, so you either don't believe in Wentz, which I can't believe that's the case since you just signed him long term. You don't believe he can stay healthy, which is they, a legitimate. Well, but they spend so much time issue. saying how he—that's not a thing. They well, they of course, what is it a thing? Or Schefter, uh, this either today, yesterday, or something came out and said teams are worried about their quarterback getting coronavirus. So this uh, is like it, uber security. Like we're so it, it happens every year. We're so freaked out about the quarterback being hurt that we need to constantly be putting resources into the 
backup quarterback position. But this is how uh, things I mean, go in Philadelphia. If if one of them was going to get coronavirus, he, they would be in the same room. They would give it to each other, and we'd still have to start one of the wide receivers as the quarterback. I'm just saying what he said. I don't know that how much stock I put into it, but it's just a theory that came out. It, I I wouldn't. I don't think that's a good thought unless it really is. Hey, hurts. You know, you're you're practicing in Wyoming. If if the coronavirus hits, you're coming in. Um, and then Wentz goes, why does he get to practice all the way out in Wyoming? <laughs> yeah, that's probably a fair point. I it, it reminds me a lot of the same baffling decision to sign Mike Vick. And it was like, no, the Eagles have a plan for quarterback. And it's like, Oh, and, and they brought in Mike Vick. Like, well, why are we bringing in Vick now? Yeah, but Kevin Cobb was never a MVP. Donovan was still on the team, was he not? Was he? When he brought in Vick? Yeah, but I think I, thought... I think it was yeah, I think it was McNabb, Cobb, Vick. Vick was brought in as yeah. the three. And remember, it was that was the in the era of Miami was doing that wildcat nonsense. And the thought was that the Eagles were going to use Michael Vick as their third down quarterback wildcat because Michael Vick was horribly out of shape. Remember, he was just at prison. He's horribly yeah. out of shape, uh, you know. And then I think within like two weeks, uh, you know, was there even a full season where Vick and Donovan actually were on the same team? I feel like we then moved Donovan on Easter Sunday, and 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 Cobb was a fourth round pick, not a second round pick. Yeah, he's a fourth round pick. Um, you know, and I think Cobb probably was in the uh going to be the franchise quarterback going forward he had like the skull of an eggshell like the guy was just uh you know the eagles are a quarterback factory he was a concussion factory like the guy could not stay on the field i honestly don't know whether kevin cobb was a good nfl quarterback or not he was just he was just an injury um and that kind of became well we have michael vick and he had his tenure. Now, the Eagles were not going to go anywhere with Michael Vick because Michael Vick had proven that he was a phenom. He was a great talent. He was not a great quarterback. Uh, he was make one read and run, which doesn't work long-term in the NFL. Yeah. But it, for me, I got that same vibe of, no, 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 no. We're not making any changes Nobody's worried about Wentz. This is just a guy who was there, different maybe skill set, you know, and too good an opportunity to pass up. Bye bye, Nate Sudfeld. I mean, he, he, somebody had a shitty day on uh, was Friday and or Saturday, and it was Nate Sudfeld. But it was like an. It just worries me that you know we have this guy waiting in the wings. You know, and that it's it stirs up a quarterback controversy that you know we just got rid of. You well, know, we I don't know that we ever got. Of. I don't know that we ever got rid of it because there's always going to be this contingent in Philadelphia that doesn't. I, I don't whether to say it doesn't support Carson Wentz, doesn't believe in Carson Wentz, or will always think we kept the wrong guy, no matter what nonsense goes on in Jacksonville and now Chicago. Um, but yeah, there is this, and, and taking it from a Wentz standpoint, okay, how are you going to sell this to me? Because this guy is not, I mean, he was the runner up for the Heisman. So we're not talking about, a you know, a reclamation project or like 
a local guy or you know anything like that. This kid is a legitimate chance to be a, a proficient starting quarterback in the NFL. So taking him here, I mean, like as Carson Wentz, you know, convince me that you still have faith in me at this point. Do you yeah. think that there's a possibility that, um, you know, Doug Peterson, Howie Roseman, Baltimore is is a very short drive from Philadelphia. Do you think that they're looking at this prototype of Lamar Jackson and going, you know, maybe that's really the direction the league is going on. And if we don't have that sort of a talent on the roster, we're not going to be able to adjust to the way the league is going. The other thing that I want to ask you guys about, and it's kind of part of the same coin, do you think that this is part of the Eagles and Saints great two-passer revolution? Um, I keep hearing yeah, this idea I, that the Eastern Hill written right here. Yeah, the, the the that the Eagles and 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 New Orleans last year have the this this grand idea that they're gonna they're gonna have two passers on the field on offense at all time and it's gonna revolutionize the sport. I, I gotta be honest. I I have to imagine that there were a lot of coaches since the early you know part of last century that have been like, you know what might be a good idea if we put two quarterbacks on the field. Hold on, Gene. Hold that thought for a second because didn't we just sign a uh, quarterback to play wide receiver today? Uh, Did we also do that? So, is there a chance that we may have? Well, and if we and I think um, Trey Burton just got fired in Chicago. We can put him at tight end. We could have a four-passer offense. We could just throw it into nothing because nobody can actually catch it. Eagle, uh, Here it is. Yeah, this was three hours ago, actually, because we're recording this at 1045. Uh, Eagles signed undrafted quarterback uh, Khalil Tate as wide receiver. So there you go. Oh, man. You thought the, the Philly Philly and the Philly special were special. We're going to get the, the quadruple Philly, you know? <laughs> Just passing it around to each other and running. Hey, if, Doug, everybody, if Doug can dream it, everybody yeah. wants to see that quadruple lateral. You know. <laughs> anyway, but but here but here I mean very seriously the the question is and and maybe the the way to approach this would be like what do you guys first of all think about our first round draft pick? What do you think about the move to pick up? You know there were a lot of receivers. This is a very deep receiver class. Um, you know even if you miss out on C D Lamb. Do you think that going and getting Jalen Rieger, who uh, did not have a thousand yards at, at not and was not a Division One player, um, do you really think that that was the right move? Would you have would Jalen Rieger at twenty one? Do you think that he would have been there in the second round? Would you have gone and gotten a uh, a linebacker? There was two really good linebackers that were still uh, still on the board that went very soon after the Eagles pick. Um, there was the what was his name Jeremy Jackson I think that went very, right after uh, our pick who a lot of people uh, think is Jefferson. a Jeff, Jefferson they think that he's a much better more polished receiver ready for the NFL now granted he is primarily a slot receiver which is not necessarily what the Eagles were looking for they're looking for a guy um, that can play the outside and be a burner and maybe they didn't think that that was the skill set that that guy offered but you know. They also missed on a guy that's having a pretty great career in Detroit, and we have J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who made one catch last year that I remember. One? Uh, Well, they definitely had – here's what I will say about Howie and this draft. There was a goal 
in mind, and the goal was we wanted to get fast. And uh, they they did that for sure. I I firmly believe that Jalen Rieger was their guy going into the draft the whole way. I think that they probably had a plan to offer something to Atlanta to try to jump up if if it came to that. And I think that they did. And I think it was probably uh, an offer that would check the box to say we made an offer to try to move up. Um, it didn't quite work. So we ended up getting our guy anyway. I also think it's an example of we got the smartest guys in the room again. Uh, which we do every draft, we outthink everybody into a mediocre or non-impact player. So, you know, I don't know. It's I can't make an assessment now. If he's if he plays as fast as everyone says he plays, um, you know, I don't know. It could be look, having guys that can run under a four-four is always good. So can he catch? Uh, can he catch it at this level? I guess we'll find out. He had a mid-60s catch rate last year. And I, I will say, here here is the thing that I, I, I watch. Now, that, that number is balls that I think were catchable, is how that translates out. But I will say, in the you know immediately after the pick, I went and I started digging up some YouTube clips, which is probably what everybody else you know did, because what else were you going to do on Saturday morning? Um, and I will say, his quarterbacks last year, were awful. There is tons of clips where you see him wide open and he is underthrown, overthrown, um, just nowhere near this player. And you have to take into account that, like, he is getting open and hopefully, uh, you know, either Carson Wentz or, you know, whatever quarterback the Eagles have decided they're going to push out of the factory um, is going to get him the ball when they need to get him. Um, did you guys see the several of the beat writers were reporting that there was a meeting, I guess, between Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman shortly after the Seattle game? And basically, they came out of that meeting with a three-pronged attack for not just the draft, but the offseason in general. Did you did you hear what their three criteria were? No, you got to let me in on this. What was okay, this about? Okay, so basically, Howie Roseman said they're going to ask themselves three questions about every player that they want to bring in um, in terms of this offseason. And this is based primarily off of how they played against Seattle. And they're going to ask themselves these questions. Is he fast? So right there, Dave, like you were saying, they went in to this offseason wanting to get speed on the roster. Two, is he healthy? Um, I guess the idea being that they, they don't want to draft these players that come into the building already injured. I think they have they've done that Several times, there's a particular cornerback who spent an entire year on IR before he ever suited up for the Eagles and didn't quite ever pan out the way that we have hoped so far. And three, the last piece that they want to they want to bring in is, does he want to play? And I think that the most interesting thing about that is, I think that that is an indication that there were players in that locker room last season that they feel did not have the desire to be playing for the team last year. And I think that if you think back to the narrative of last year, um, once we got into late in the season and um, we made some moves at wide receiver specifically, um, you saw the offense get more proficient. So 
was that another part of who they were looking at as far as who they were going to draft at wide receiver? Because we drafted three wide receivers. They're all fast. Well, my three my three pronged attack would have been: uh, Do they play in the SEC? Uh, are they over six foot two? And are they uh, durable? So I think we had the the same kind of uh, non injury theme. But um, go ahead, Chuck. You were going to jump in there. I, yeah, what I was going to say is, almost can you can you blame them for being wide receiver heavy? You know after the season that we had and that criteria i mean that's that sounds all well and good you no know, everyone really... thought they were going to go wide receiver heavy in this draft yeah. for sure but the the part where they're overthinking it and all that's you know how can you measure you know someone's desire to be you know an everyday down player when they're going from college into the nfl i imagine everybody in that draft you would get the impression that they they're going to have a lot of fight in them. I think that's not something you can even observe until two or three seasons in when they're just like, Hey man, I'm collecting a paycheck. I mean, I'm going to say um, it. I mean, I know they can't, but th- that's a shot right across the bow of Nelson Aguilar. And, um, um, what's his name? Um, Arthago Whiteside. Well, probably, but more specifically Alshon. Alshon. Yeah. More specifically Alshon Jeffries. I think that they felt that both those guys, um, and I think they specifically felt that Alsha, um, that that Nelson Aguilar literally quit on certain plays. Yeah. But and the on the point of speed. Now is that a a backdoor? Let's keep Wentz healthy. You know the idea. When I think of speedy wide receivers, I always think of the deep bomb. But maybe they're thinking, hey, someone creates a little bit of separation, and now Wentz doesn't have to hold it so long and get a quick seven-yard reception. So if you got a lot of guys with speed, maybe getting a little separation, maybe does that keep Wentz healthier in the long run? I think they they fell in love with that Washington game. They saw how well Wentz performed with a healthy Deshaun Jackson, and they feel like they that was the offense that they wanted to run all last year. And when Deshaun Jackson never even stepped on the field in game two and never came back, they said, well, screw this. We are going to triple down on getting somebody that can run real fast right up the middle, and we're just going to have Carson chuck it up there. And – that's what they they went out and they're gonna they they are throwing a whole lot of spaghetti on the on the on the on the wall. Yeah, and the idea being that even if we have one to, of these guys is gonna hit, and even if we've got to stash a couple of them on the practice squad, if if Deshaun goes down, if 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 Jalen goes down, we're gonna call the next guy up, and we're at least going to force defenses to play back on us a little bit. We were getting beat because they could just commit two cornerbacks and they could put eight men in the box, and that's how you beat the Eagles because they were not there was no need to 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 place a safety back there to give them help because we didn't have any receivers that could take the top off of the defense. Well, you're talking me into this draft, Gene. I, I could tell you that much, but you know, I've always loved the. <laughs> you guys are going to like kill me for this, but I always love the big people beat up little people <laughs> uh, quote. And I, I always believed in that. Like I always wanted these receivers that were taller than the D backs that are going to be trying to defend them. You know, uh, 
and you, you would always have that advantage. But yeah, when you look around the league and you see these guys like you know Tyreek Hill, um, you know, and and like every team seems to have at least one burner on the team. And we, or you know, I think that they liked Rieger, like they like Rieger amongst all of the other ones because he does have that speed dimension. Uh, but you know, we got it's like when you're it's like when you draft a bunch of like left-handed pitchers in your farm system and it's like well i gotta hit on one of these guys like one of these guys has to emerge as a a producer and whether it's rieger whether it's uh, what is it hightower or uh watkins that we got in the sixth round they all do sound like they were characters on police academy four it's just hightower I had the exact same thought, and I I decided not to make the joke because I was just thinking of Hightower. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, though. And then but, the trade for uh, Marquise uh, Goodwin, too. Which I actually think was a really great move and kind of underrated because that gives you a speed dimension with an established wide receiver. He upgrades what will be the replacement. I mean, I know Alshon Jeffrey is still in in the in the room, but I don't think he's going to stay on this uh, on this roster. I think that he's, uh, he's on be- Exile Island, yeah. man. Uh, and I, yeah. So I think your 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 starting receivers on day one are going to be Goodwin on one side, uh, hopefully Deshaun Jackson on the other with uh, with Rieger in the slot. That that's how I see it drawing up. And I think our Seagull Whiteside is probably your four because as we know, Doug Peterson told us that by week twelve, JJ Seagull Whiteside could play off all the spots, the wide receiver spots. <laughs> he knew he knew all of the spots and he knew them very well. But Gene, like Dave said, you've kind of talked me into it too because I had this vision of this really fast receiver core. You know, all right, that that handles the long end. You know, you're stretching the field there. So who are you going to cover? We have the middle with our tight ends, you know, tight end being an asset of the Eagles. And then we have the short with the running game. And if all those three things gel, that's a lot of field to cover, and somebody's going to be open. You know, you're going to have an opportunity to, hey, if they're shutting down the long game, go middle. You yeah, know, Miles Sanders down- is probably loving it more than anybody. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and and that and that right there is is brings me beautifully into my second point. Uh, as much as I have come around on pick one now. This pick is going to be forever compared to C.D. Lamb in Dallas because we're going to see him twice a year, and we're always. And if this guy becomes a Pro Bowler, I, I think it's more of a Jefferson compare. I, I think I don't you're going to have that C. too. Lamb thing it may not have ever been a possibility. Yeah, and that's what happens when you win the division. Right, your division rival gets the pick ahead of you. Right, uh, and and like I said, I, I'm still going to hope that Dallas shot themselves in the foot because they decided that they wanted to get greedy and and instead of picking for need. Um. The Eagles are going to also need to, if you know, they they put together the offensive piece that maybe it wasn't the guy that we all had on our lips, but it certainly was the the position of need that we all thought and and the style of player that we wanted because his secondary attribute, you know, is that he's a kick returner, which makes him sound an awful lot like a, a particular number ten that we have on this on this squad who's getting up there in age, um, but it really shines a very bright spotlight on pick two. Because I really do believe that Atlanta said back to them, we would be happy to move this spot, this pick to you. All you got to do is send us your second round pick. And the Eagles are like, well, we're not worth it. And 
when you do that, like you need a like you need to convince me that that was a good decision by by having a guy that at least at least has a clear path to start. Give me a a left tackle that could challenge Dillard. Give me um give me a, a defensive tackle or a defensive end. Give me another cornerback. Give me a linebacker. God knows we need those. And there were really talented players at all of those positions still on the board. And you go and you get a quarterback who had already fallen. Now, granted, there was a lot of talk that he was going to be the next one off the board. But you do you need the fourth best quarterback in this draft? Couldn't you get a fourth-round quarterback that you could make into a serviceable Nate Sutfeld-esque starter? Um we see that you are willing to go and get a a a, a veteran back backup. Um, you had won the Super Bowl with the veteran backup that you picked up before the beginning of the season. You didn't draft Nick Foles. Well, you did, but you didn't draft him before he won the Super Bowl for you. So your logic seems flawed to me that you needed to go and get at pick two a guy who is got a very special skill set. That's true, but he's also compared similarly to Tim Tebow. Which I, I don't like that comparison. <laughs> well, the Phil's minor league, you know, they could use a little spicing up there. But I don't, I, I don't get it either. And the whole quarterback factory thing, we're not a quarterback factory. I don't get like, it's not <laughs> like know. who have we produced? Yeah, we we produced Carson Wentz, and he came in like produced. It was just like. Hey, wear this jersey. All right, good luck out there. But yeah, we we're not a quarterback factory. And even if we were someone like a, a New England who you are right, you have Tom Brady starting every game and then they sell off their backups. I don't think they started doing that Tom Brady year 2, year 3, year 4. And Wentz isn't healthy. And if you got a young guy with talent, I don't think you can expect him to be like, hey, Wentz goes down, you know, game 10. Here's the ball with the season on the line. Good luck, rookie. You know, you haven't seen game time action except for when the game was out of hand. Why not bring in a veteran? You know, why not bring in that starter that's fallen out of favor and go, hey, get some reps behind Wentz, and if if needed, it's an opportunity for you. I, I don't get it. Another comparison I heard this made was, um, you know, going back in Eagles history, Randall Cunningham was brought in while Ron Jaworski was still the established starting quarterback for this team. Now, granted, Ron Jaworski was much later into his into his career, but Ron also went on to, to play – uh, I believe I think in Kansas City for a few years. So th- it was not the end of the road for Ron Jaworski by any stretch of the imagination. And it was sold to the team that Buddy Ryan was going to use Randall Cunningham as kind of like a gadget player on third downs. Um, granted, Ryan, Randall Cunningham went on to be uh, one of the iconic players in this franchise. Do we want that to be the case here where we're going to move Carson Wentz on? You, you just... You did the thing that you're supposed to do. You go up and get and pick two, the franchise quarterback. You win a Super Bowl while he's cheap. He didn't, but you did because you did the thing you're supposed to do. You use that money wisely to fill in the talent. 
And now you have the franchise quarterback who's developed the idea being that you're investing that kind of money in him because he's supposed to make all of these other players who are younger and cheaper better around him. So um, how many years are, are, is left on Wentz's deal? Three? I, I, I thought that he was just re-upped on his um, – like he just got re-signed for his, long, his long-term deal. I thought that kicked in next year. I thought this was the last year that you have him cheap. I think right, next, so, he, so we, he's for another four years. Right, so it'll be four more years. And this will it, – it's either that this year is the cap starts, you know, that cap hit comes in, or it's next year that that cap – you've extended so, him now, so and, the cap hit. And before I say this, this is definitely not me comparing Carson Wentz to any of these guys. But this is very different from – getting young to back up Montana or uh, getting Rogers to back up Favre. This is not like that. This is way earlier in the process than, you know, trying to back up a legend or try to find the successor to a legend. That's why this is so, so head scratching. Did you see the odds on the Eagles drafting Jalen hurts? They were really long. I imagine. Yeah, they were uh 10,000 to one. Damn, I wish I'd put money on that. Oh, wait, no, no, no. <laughs> a thousand to one. Maybe a thousand. The guy bet 50 bucks, won five grand off of it. That is insane. Yeah. Now, so, now what, what possessed him to even think about making that bet is beyond me. I, uh, probably some inside information or something. But I was going to say gambling addiction, really. <laughs> but... yeah, when, and we have Wentz I mean, for another I... five years with this coming year, 2020, being the first year of the big money. I, I feel like, ah. Uh, with a potential out at a uh, 2022. That, oh, really? that, yeah, I was going to say the year you draft the potential replacement is 2022. But if there's a potential out at 2022 and you worry about his health, maybe you do bring in a guy. Well, the sports but- podcast should not be having this conversation in a city that has a franchise quarterback on the first year of their extension, a number a number two in the draft. You know what I mean? Like this is not like we didn't spend a whole lot of capital to go and get Carson Wentz there, and there is no evidence on his, in his statistics. And honestly, if you look at the 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 regular season start chart of who the starting quarterback over the last four years are, the name Wentz is all over that chart. You know, you have a couple of starts in December from Nick Foles. The The problem is this city, this organization, the league in general is all sort of out of whack because Nick Foles somehow, he either he shoved a, a UV light up his ass or <laughs> I don't know what happened to him to figure out how to play quarterback, but he doesn't know how to do it anywhere else. Disinfectant injections before every game. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. But he he has already gotten shipped out of Jacksonville because he broke his collarbone. He he's gonna back up God knows who in Chicago. He was a total bust. We all watched him get cut on TV in St. Louis. That soon became the Rams. Nick Foles is a terrible quarterback when he is not in the playoffs for Doug Peterson. <laughs> but it's and whether we think this is a good signing or not, it scares the hell out of me. You know, a good uh, pick or not, it scares the hell out of me because you're sowing the seeds of doubt. That whole, and I think we later threw water on the divided locker room 
Hey, but guess who's gone? Malcolm Jenkins. See, now I feel like we're drafting a conspiracy theory in real time. But, uh, oh, man, I don't know. I don't know. Why would you do this to yourself unless somebody in the organization has real doubts about Carson Wentz? And it's going to be... And that somebody is a very important person who makes decisions about personnel. Oh, yeah. I think it might be the general manager. It's got to be probably Howie and Doug. And, And... would it be a self-fulfilling prophecy? You know, I hope not. I hope we're, you know, in the middle we of get a pandemic. We trade Wentz to New England. So Wentz can win like five <laughs> Super Bowls with Belichick? Hey, who needs a quarterback? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. It's it's bananas. Do you put it's, do you put any stock into this idea that they really truly believe that there is some sort of a system where having Wentz and Hertz on the field is going to provide them with some sort of advantage? Do you think that they know something about Hertz's skill set that's going to make him valuable as either a running back? He doesn't strike me as the body type that's going to be able to block so i don't see him as a as a an option as a wide receiver and how many downs are you going to actually put that package out that's going to make any any sort of a difference you know do you bring jalen hurts in as a third down quarterback what does that do to the psychology of your quarterback i i think the sketch to have your two quarterbacks on the field at the same time yeah and they both go down with injury and here's nate sudfeld as we're quickly on the phone, well, I don't think you're both going to get hurt at the same time. But I mean, like, the, uh, I don't. You're just doubling the odds that at least one of them is going to get hurt. Yeah. But, well, you're weakening but, some other position. Either you're bringing in a, a a passer instead of a catcher at wide receiver, or you're bringing in a passer instead of a runner at running back, or you're bringing in a passer instead of a blocker catcher at at tight end there there's no point where this is like oh it's an advantage to have two guys that can that can throw the ball you the reason why you have one quarterback and that's the way it's been in football is because you only need one guy to throw it you need lots of options to catch it or run it but you really very seriously only need one guy to throw it (laughs) (laughs) if the nfl introduces like a two ball system like we're gonna be praising howie it's like nfl an effort to Increased scoring uh, introduces the second football. Well, what's the most innocent version of this? They they saw him on the board and said, "Hey, best player available." Yes. Like, but they're not really that many damn trades in football, and the trades don't net you much. This isn't, or like, or maybe it's maybe it's this. Maybe it's a rookie contract, a rookie second round contract for a backup quarterback. In our mind, is cheaper. And more effective than signing a veteran backup quarterback to a larger deal. We can then take that money and flip it into something else. Can I sell you on that? No. Okay. Um, it's And I like the logic of it. I like it at a different position or in a different sport. It's just – and more and more the NFL has been entrusting rookie quarterbacks – but not from rookie backup to to starter. It just seems like he's not going to have enough time to get his legs under him. You know, when is a rookie quarterback even in the NFL now? I mean, I'm not good? even talking about starting at this point. Like, no, he's, no, but it, but he's been backup. drafted to be a cheap backup quarterback for the next three years. Yeah, okay, and year two and three, I'm less worried about. But year one, I don't. Maybe he's your third stringer. If he plays, you're fucked anyway. What's what? 
If he if he's the starting quarterback, you're fucked anyway. Yeah, but we saw what a a competent backup quarterback can do with good players around him. I would hate for this plan to have a backup on the cheap. I love I, I love your can... logic, Dave. Honestly, I think that that is the best way to sell this. My only problem is you can do that exact same thing in round four. You can do that exact same thing in round four. Well, you know what else I'm thinking about now is the um, the trade for uh, the trade for Slay that that you gave up. Uh, I think you gave up a second round and a third round pick. Yeah, down. But I don't think for this draft, or maybe the third round was in this draft. But I think the second. Round I just think it. I just think it costs you. It costs you trade pieces for that lamb, for that potential lamb trade. Yeah, I think you're right. And the hope is that you have now established yourself with a guy that you can have that guy cover one of the opposing team's wide receivers and not have to roll, you know, other The other question is, could we have leapt ahead of Dallas in round two? Because Dallas got, what, a corner or a safety? A, a defensive player, yeah. Yeah, which we could have definitely used. And I think there's a lot of potential for movement in round two, you know, just in any draft, you know, it's, you're going to be most likely in your second tier of guys going, Hey, there's a lot more variables. You might have three people that you like almost equally. If the Eagles can entice you with their second and their third, you can probably move up a couple spots quite easily. So if there was someone they wanted in the second, you know, unless it was with a, a, a division rival, you'd have to trade with the opportunity is there. Yeah. So here's, well, a, here's an interesting what? observation. I, I'm, I'm, I'm projecting myself forward in time. It's possible. I don't know if it's likely, but it's possible that the, the next unscripted or, untime machine on youtube sports that we watch is the nfl preseason it's possible right mid 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 august we finally are going to get sports back and the first thing we're going to get to watch i hope this isn't true is the nfl preseason can you imagine if we go between now and the goddamn preseason and we haven't seen any sports that will be awful but game one i don't know who we play it's on the road Second quarter, who do you want – who are you excited now to see? Are you excited about seeing our new hot speedster wide receivers or are you super psyched now and real interested in seeing what our new backup quarterback can do? What will then become – because nobody gives a shit about the score of a preseason game. But I will tell you, I will be chomping at the bit to see this kid get into this game and – scramble like for 18 yards on a busted play or um dodge out of the way of 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 a of a defensive back and 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 make a throw. Um but you know who else excites me when they do that? The fucking starting quarterback Carson Wentz. <laughs> I was so, just going to bring that up. So you know, this is the insane thing like uh, but I mean, what do you guys think? Like do you first of all, do you think that that's even remotely possible? Do you think that we're going to see other sports between now and the NFL preseason? Uh, I think this is a good time to even to just mention the fact that 
Um, there have been some discussion. Chuck, you can speak to this probably better than anybody. The only real possibility of a, another sport starting up, I think, is the NHL having their playoffs in July. Chuck, maybe you can weigh in on that. Or do you think that I, my feeling might be right, that the next sport we see is going to be the NFL preseason in like mid-August? You know, I think... I think it's unlikely that the next sport we see is the NFL unless they can play in some neutral site wherever with no fans. The NHL seems hell-bent on coming back, and they I, there's all this talk of finishing the regular season. I just can't believe that's going to happen. Maybe there's a handful of regular season games for people in the bubble, but that they would come back like end of July and start playing again. That seems very much in the air and provided, you know, we don't go, you know, we don't pull back on some of the restrictions with the coronavirus and then immediately get slammed again, which is a big if, I mean, it's, it really is. But if we can pull back with some social distancing, some, return to to normalcy um then the nhl really wants to be up and running end of july so i think that's pretty likely that's gonna be the next sport we see to me i feel like if the nhl can do it the nba can do it i I don't see any difference in the arena sports um at all i know the nba has opened up practice facilities now for individual practices uh i don't know what that means, really? I guess you could go to the gym by yourself. You can work on your horse. Uh, I'm, yeah, I, and that's really funny because work on his jumper. Like you, the hockey players need that more. They don't have access to a, a sheet of ice. You know, the NBA players. I'm sure they have a basketball net at their house. Except you know? Steph Curry. Steph Curry does not have a basketball you know, net at his house. You hear about this? No. Evidently, he doesn't have a hoop at his house. So they like he had to like order, you, you know, like what's sitting in my driveway right now, and <laughs> he had to, like, assemble it himself. Did the township where Steph Curry lives then require him to take it off of the sidewalk? Uh, oh, by the way, I think I've exceeded my thirty day uh, grace period on moving my my net, I, which I have not touched. So um, rebel, shh, don't don't tell on me. <laughs> Dave's going to jail. That's this. <laughs> This week's title <laughs> uh, wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 what do you think, Chuck? So, the NHL comes back. I agree that I feel like the arena sports should both be able to come back. Do you care if there's fans there or not? Are you at a point where you just want to you want to see these things? Uh, play out do do you care if there's regular season games or are you totally fine with look the the standings are what the standings were you know if, if if the Sixers were one game out of a playoff spot or if the Flyers are one game out of a playoff spot are you incensed right now that there's talk there would be talk that the playoffs would just be the standings the way they were or um are you cool with it I mean as Philadelphia fans we can kind of be like well it is what it is because guess what we would be in playoffs in both of those sports but you know especially in basketball, 
if things break a, a different way, we could be looking, you know, the outside looking in, and we would be, I know I would be very frustrated if I was supposed to have 15 or, or whatever games to make this ground up, and it's just been... Really? Do you, would, would you not be... Like, I'm so, uh, I know you posed this question to Chuck, but I'm, like, so far past that, I don't even, I don't even care. Like, I barely remember the regular season, especially for the Sixers. Uh, I would just be so thrilled to have competitive sports live competitive sports back um i'm not saying i would say like i would give up our team's you know playoff position because also it's like a championship this year is going to be an oddly looked at championship which i agree with which is my my, there's a certain part of me that's like i wish you know i i would hope that we would just you know just wipe it. You know what I mean? And, and, and ha- not in the sense that I don't want sports to come back, but I would rather have some sort of a different format. And I, if we're going to go to this neutral site idea, why not we have essentially a tournament that would allow every fandom, every fan base to have some stake in the tournament. Um, and, and this is kind of the point I was getting at. If I was a team that was looking at outside looking in, I would love the chance, even if I've got to play the best team in the league, you know, and I got one game to 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 break to do it. You know, maybe you give certain teams buys. You know, you make a team have to go through like an eight game gauntlet to do it. Is it likely to happen? No. But if that does happen, wouldn't you then be like, well, they did accomplish something. Maybe it's a smaller trophy. Maybe it's not the Stanley Cup. Maybe it's the <laughs> Corona Cup. I don't. I don't know, but I would much rather and be much more interested in watching a tournament without fans that is some other outside of content, not even, you know, think about it like in terms of like uh, comic books, you know, they have these events where they cross over with other things and they're sort of out of the, the, the main timeline, you know, wouldn't it be great to have like an out of timeline hockey tournament that everything was involved with and there was, you know. Maybe there are certain players that, you know, decide. So, Gene, they want so to act- you're saying if your team was on the outside looking in, yeah. um, you'd you'd wish they had one shot, one opportunity yeah. to seize everything they ever wanted in one moment. Right. Yeah. No, you'd I, want I, to see if they would capture it or let it slip, yo. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I would have Eminem open <laughs> open it up with a performance live from his living room broadcast over the loudspeakers. <laughs> In fact, honestly, like I would want to like play it in like a, a very small venue so that it was so I can hear, you know, like give me an experience that I could not have. Dude, I don't even other. know if I could hold down your mom's spaghetti. Yeah, I was yeah. just going to cite mom's spaghetti. It's the most awkward lyric in that buildup. His palms are sweaty. He's nervous. Mom's spaghetti. I'm yeah. like, what? <laughs> well, I mean, what else are you going to rhyme with palms or sweaty? I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, he's a genius. I mean, I, I couldn't do that shit. Don't get me wrong. Elton John blessed him. I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> Remembering that Elton John didn't write his own lyrics. See, there's levels to that joke. <laughs> <laughs> this this is not the first time Bernie Taupin's been referenced on this Hey, man, that's my go-to. If I can take a shot at Elton John's lack of lyric writing skills, I'm going to do it, damn it. Oh, my God. I, I will say about all of it, I think just set the rules. I wouldn't want every team in. But if it's eight teams, that's fine, If which I don't think they'd go that direction. If it's 16, if it's 20, if it's 24, whatever, that's 
that's fine. I already have my disappointment in this huge gap because the Flyers were rolling. You know, it's, you know what, JVR would be healthy. There's a chance Patrick could play. This is not the year to be like, we were going to win the cup this year if it wasn't for a coronavirus. No, it's not. It's not. But I, they were really trending in the right direction. They had something good cooking. I mean, and there's no reason that. That that can't continue. Or that, you know, next year we can't have that same, you know. Oh, yeah, I don't think it's lost. And honestly, to a certain degree, it's almost like, man, like I'm left with that that real like fire. Whereas, and if they go in and they, 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 they go out in the second round, maybe I feel a little, a little bit of a letdown right now. I'm just like, damn, we were the hottest team in the league. We were, but we it are... is that thing though, that when you take that chance away from people, like, you know, what, what if 2008 was, this happened in 2008 and it stopped the Phillies that year. Well, <laughs> we never have a world series. Yeah. And it's, and, and you talk about, oh, are you okay with points percentage and whatnot? I think Winnipeg is a, you know, one one hundredth, maybe one one thousand, one one thousandth, I can't pronounce that, um, of a point out of the playoffs. It is, they are so incredibly close. Would I be upset there? I I would like to think no, but if I were... You know, I'd be kicking myself. I I I'd get think it, back. I get it, but like big picture, big picture. This is bigger than your team with like a one one thousandth percent chance. You know, of or outside of going in, and you're not going to win the cup. Yeah. Well, and a couple things there. I agree with you. I'm definitely of that mindset. All of this is bigger than sports. I want something back, but I know that's a selfish want, and I don't really care. Uh, two, I think you're just rubbing in that you could say one one thousandths. <laughs> I could not. I did it for you. One one thousand. I can't. I'm like I'm tripping over my tongue, and I'm surprisingly sober. That's the trick. Um, and yeah, you're not going to win the cup. So no, I. So basically, I mean, you're calling all Winnipegians assholes. Uh, yeah the the Winnipeggers. Um, the Winnipokes. I really Winnipokes. <laughs> Winnipeggies. The full name is uh, Winna Margaret. Uh, but they just go by uh, Winnipeg. Um, no, I mean every team has assholes. You know, it's every fan base has selfish pricks. I mean, every city does. Look at the like they're selfish. They're, the Winnipegians are the ones stopping the playoffs from happening. Chuck said it. Uh, yeah, I am saying, and I'm also saying at you uh, for for saying that. But I appreciate your honesty. Now yeah, I know and how we're no gonna parks get... in Winnipeg either. I know how we're going to get those Canadian listens up. Chuck hates Winnipeg. I'll I stand by it. that. The only thing they have good going for him is Kevin McDonald. <laughs> All right, let's let's end the show on that note. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, K Mac. <laughs> But that's all the time we have for today. Uh, we'll be back with you next Monday. Maybe we'll do a classic rewatch next week. We'll have to do something. Lice <laughs> this up because there's not going to be any any events, I don't think, uh, between now and then. So we'll do another classic rewatch. Um, 
But if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, also, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Potadelphia. Chuck, nice job on the whip around this week. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, if you haven't done so yet, check out the whip around uh, where Chuck was on last week talking about, was it Bloody Bloody Friday? Black Friday? Spooky uh, Friday? Friday. What uh, is the it? Good Friday Massacre. Good Friday Massacre. That's right. Yeah. That's the, right. That and, deal uh, de Vendredi <laughs> And they have new episodes uh, every Wednesday for your uh, for all your weird news fixins there. Uh, until then, stay safe, everybody. We are out of here. <laughs>